0: You're listening to Several Ways to Live, um, a podcast formerly about Mexico, Mexican culture, me- Mexican food especially, uh, with me, Florian, and with Nick. Hello, Nick. Good morning. Hey, Florian. How's it going? Good morning. And today, a very special guest. I'm very happy that this worked out. Hello, Angelica. Hello. And Nick, you are in LA. Yes. Which means it's early morning and... Angelica, you are in Bremen, in Germany. And uh, for uh, those who have listened to all the episodes, you will have heard uh, Angelica's husband, Nico, before. I think we did two shows uh, when you two still lived in Mexico because that's where we met. And that is... Nick, we're finally talking about Mexico again. Yay! And the fact that Angelica, as a Mexican, is living in Germany. And we both know Germany. We all three know Germany. And now we can talk about everything. But first of all, um, so Nick and I, we met when we lived in Mexico City. And we talked about how it is to live there and what the cool things are there as, uh, as uh, foreigners. And I always wanted to know, and we never talked about this. How, I mean, Nick, can you describe how you felt living in Mexico City as an American and then Angelica? How did it How did it feel compared to that growing up in Mexico City and living there?
1: I, I think for me it was a little bit weird because uh, my, my parents are Chilean and I grew up in a Spanish-speaking household. Um I felt very much at home in Mexico City. I think most foreigners feel some sense of home in Mexico City that I think Mexico City when you give your heart over to it will accept you and will make you feel very much at home. I also had the, the I also had the perhaps unique experience of being a foreigner who is responding to a disaster, the 2017 Mexico City earthquake, which we've talked about extensively on this podcast and my experiences there. Are, there. are there certain things about Mexico that remind you every day that you are a foreigner, that you are not Mexican? Yes, absolutely. I think there's there's a lot of things for Mexicans who come from other parts of the country about Mexico City that make them feel perhaps a little bit foreign. That Mexico City in and of itself is almost like its own country culturally, I think, within Mexico. That's another thing, unfortunately, I think foreigners don't tend to appreciate uh, so much until you get a chance to live there a little bit and actually hang out. I guess one of my favorite jokes, which I'll close with, is I was walking around around a more rural part of Mexico City closer to uh, Xochimilco. Just walking around a neighborhood with a friend of a friend of mine, and he was asking me, you know, way, where are you from? And I, I said El Norte, and he said, Oh, are, are you from, uh, are you from Nuevo León, más norte way, more, more north. You know, Sonora, más norte we. And He said, I don't know. I'm, there's nothing. There's nothing more north of there. We kept going through places in Mexico. And, I, and then i just finished by saying gringolandia way great huh? like gringoland the united states he's like oh and i thought that was we all we all had a good chuckle out of it
2: well that means you blend in but it was interesting that in. i did
1: code hmm?
2: yeah, that means you blend in if if they didn't catalog you as a gringo right away like you were blending in really good
1: yeah, I I hope so. But that that's another thing is that I, I no tengo el acento de norte americanos in español normalmente. That helps.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean so so even Nick's experience obviously it was probably much different than mine. Uh, I mean We've talked about that, uh, as well. I mean, as a German and not as well. I mean, my Spanish is not half as good as, as Nick's. And that makes it a big difference. Um, and, but to make long story short, I mean, I really, really liked living in Mexico City and uh, all the perks there, especially the weather. And the food, that's, yes, <laughs> everybody's size. <sighs.
1: laughs>
0: and I also remember that the last of the four years that we spent there was, I did not want to live there anymore. Um, it was yeah yeah it was basically the year before we returned to to germany and the and after the earthquake it was somehow i i knew okay this is enough and i have to uh go and now uh, i really really want to go back to visit the place and i even forgot about what was hard about that last year and uh but i know that. I don't think I could live there anymore. And so now that makes interest. Now it interests me. I mean, Angelica, you grew up there. You spent uh, uh, many years uh, abroad as well. And now you're living abroad again. How, how, how do you feel about Mexico City?
2: Well, yeah, my, my experience definitely changed when I went and lived to Toronto for five years and then I went back to Mexico City, and that was completely different of growing up there. I think, yeah, growing up there, uh, it's like a you you live in in a bubble because it's so big. You can only you have control over a certain area, or at least that was my experience. I was never exposed to to the bigger city until I was in in the university. All my friends lived nearby. I was walking to, to my school. Like everything was very accessible. Where did but you grow I up? When I went to university, I, I started experiencing the bigger part of the city and getting lost in it and seeing, yeah, how incredibly big it is and getting to know people from other neighborhoods. And it changed, yeah, it changed the experience of the city.
0: Where did you grow up?
2: I grew up in the south part of the city in a, well, in a gated community uh, next to El Bosque de Tlalpan, so it's a very nice area, very green, I could go and walk to the forest and I used to run there every day and I could walk to my school, which was also a private school in front of my neighborhood, so it was all very safe and uh, very accessible and kind of ideal for for mexico city
0: but then then you went to toronto and then you said did it change did your perspective change again
2: yeah i think well first when i when i went to university it changed because as i was saying i, I met and i started moving uh through the bigger city then uh, working in the city that was more of a reality check like how it is to be employed in the city having to commute in the city uh, like just real life after after being very uh, privileged i guess uh, it really changed uh, the perspective and then after working there for for some years i decided to go to toronto and have a completely different experience i wanted to do um a postgraduate degree and I ended up uh, spending five years in Toronto with the with all the good and bad things that that has like the the really long winters and really tough tough winters um, but also a different kind of access to to the city where nothing is so far away. you can use public transit and it's very, yeah, everything is more more friendly in that sense of moving through the city is easier. You can bike everywhere, you can just use transit. So that was yeah, a totally different experience of living in a city where you you can live uh, where you can move more easily than in Mexico City.
0: So did you grow up in Mexico City just using the car?
2: Yeah. Yeah, like I said, well, when I was in high school and everything, I I, I would just walk huh. everywhere or yeah, go with a friend that had a car. Um, but yeah, like going out with my mom, going to the supermarket, going to the mall, going to the, to the movies, everything was depending on the car. So yeah, having that flexibility in, in Toronto to just have a, a bicycle and go everywhere was, very that like I, I really enjoyed that and when I finally went back to Mexico City after five years in Toronto I was really looking forward to to going back because I was tired of the long winters <laughs> and I was missing friends and family and I, I was feeling a little bit homesick and when I went back to, to Mexico City we with Nico, because I met him in, in Toronto and we were moving to Mexico City together, we we decided that we wanted to live like we lived in Toronto. We wanted to uh, move with the bicycle and be able to walk around and not depend on the car. And we didn't have a car for, for maybe three years and uh, because we wanted that, that lifestyle. And we could do it to a certain extent in living in in la condesa yeah we were lucky and we found a nice apartment that was in this neighborhood for those of you who don't know la condesa it's like very european style neighborhood with lots of parks very green with uh, rental bikes that you can just take we had a station right in front of our apartment There are a lot of also bars and restaurants. So, yeah, we that totally changed the experience of of living in in Mexico City from the suburban style lifestyle that I had growing up to a more downtown lifestyle.
0: Nick Nick also lived in uh, La Roma, La Roma Norte, right? You didn't have a car.
1: No, no, I didn't.
0: That is, I mean, is there any are there any parts of Mexico City where you can actually live and have access to everything without a car? Because it is, I mean, it is a city of cars. You, of course, there's lots of people, millions, uh, uh, that take public transport, that take uh, uh, buses and and the metro, but um, that doesn't mean that you can live without a car.
2: Yeah, I feel like yeah, having a yeah. car in Mexico City is is the ultimate uh, goal. It's aspirational. If people that that work very hard, like that's, I think, the first thing they want to buy is a car. And it completely takes you to, I, I feel like, to a different lifestyle or level. or it, It's just... Uh, it feels like like the first goal you you want to to have when you're making money i feel I feel like like even if pu- public transit is is good and it could take you anywhere, it's not like in Europe where it's it's just maybe something that that is a benefit for everyone. I feel like in Mexico City there is that like social class distinction or who who has a car and what car do they have and who uses public transit
1: you you can be rich in Europe and not have a car that's possible nobody's going to look weird. you can't be rich in Mexico City and not have a car and not get some kind of weird social oh what's wrong with that guy why doesn't he have a car pushback in, in Mexico. And even if you're very poor, not not very poor, but even if you're poor in Mexico and you have a car, there's like people aspire to having a car in Mexico City and it's culturally I think one of the biggest problems in terms of Mexico City sustainability is just that ingrained cultural having a car and then you see rich people who have four or five cars just so that they don't have to not drive on a given day. They'll have four or five different cars that because in Mexico City they they have occasionally uh depending on how bad the air quality is, will say cars with a certain license plate ending aren't allowed to drive. And so rich people will just buy another car that they drive on Tuesdays when it's really bad out.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's just a a, a car yeah, car driven culture it's it's all about having a car and and jokes are are made of you no know, how how are you getting a girlfriend if you don't have a car or or how will you get a girlfriend with that car like yeah it's all about yeah like a social status
1: yeah i i think mexico city is a very social i mean all all, all spanish speaking countries to an extent um uh, but mexico city is a very social status driven culture and cars are the most obvious, most convenient, most apparent status symbols.
0: I have to contradict one thing that Nick said, and then we, maybe we can transition to life in Germany. I mean, we could probably talk for another three hours about life in Mexico city, Um, but that will make us sad.
1: It's much more interesting than life (laughs) in Germany. There's a lot more to talk about. That is true. I think. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, okay, just one question Angelica. Do you already miss it?
2: Mexico City? Mm, some some aspects of it, but no. I'm I'm happy in in Germany.
0: Um Nick you said uh, you can be rich in Europe or probably you could I I don't know about rich people. I don't know any rich people. Uh, but uh, you said that you could be rich and not have a car and nobody uh, looking funny at you. Uh, I think that is wrong. At least from my experience, uh, we get funny looks all the time because we don't have a car. And then we explain that we take lots of uh, uh, public transport and we live in the city. Now, that's actually the main point. We live right in, in the city center of uh, one of the best connected cities in Germany terms of public transport, uh, and then people understand, but uh, whenever we say that we don't have a car, um, we get funny looks
1: I, I, I yes, what I was saying that is it maybe I'm thinking more about Berlin, that you have people who are making possibly millions of euros a year, who have a very nice flat, who go on vacations, who have a bond card first class one hundred, whatever. Don't have a car. Nobody thinks, no, maybe people think, huh, maybe he should get a car. It's, uh, it's a little, like it's possible to be rich yeah. in Europe yeah. and not have a car and not feel bad. I think it, where, where you are in Germany, sure. People will think that that's your, some of your friends will think that's a little weird. Not all of, or will all do all of your friends think that's weird. No. Yeah. This is what I'm saying in Mexico city everybody would think you're weird, without exception. Absolutely. That's, that's kind of what I was getting at.
2: Yeah, like, there's no reason why you shouldn't have a car in Mexico City. Like, yeah, it's like, why? Why? Like, it doesn't make sense not to have one if you can afford it, or even if you can't. Like, people get credits all the time. Like, people in Mexico City are are in debt all the time just to have a car or a nicer car.
0: Okay. Point taken. I um, mean I,
1: just just to give you a, a weird example, I actually lived um not as far south as you were, but but more closer to the mountains um when I first moved to Mexico City and we've discussed this extensively in the podcast. And I would I would purposefully, you know, take a becero to the to um to the Metro in the morning and I would, I would walk out of, and nobody ever, the only people that walked out of this gated community were the servants. Nobody actually ever walked out of it who actually (laughs) lived there. Um, And then I would, and then the, the would always be full in the morning. I would have to sort of run and leap and hold on to the bar on the outside of the Pasadena and never actually make it inside just I'd just be you know, holding on to the outside, and then we'd go further down the line. Somebody else would like – we'd be holding on to the same bus, and we'd ride the kilometer and a half to the the first transfer point where everybody we would get off, and then it, then we could go inside and pay our five uh, pesos, which is passed up mano a mano to everybody. There's a famous Carlos Ballerta joke about about the uh, the togetherness of Mexico and how people are passing their fare up to the fare box from the back door. Yeah. Um, and every, I mean, people in the neighborhood noticed this right away, and they thought it was, it was like, "Who? He lives there." But I don't think because he goes to work every day, so I don't think he works in the house. What's what's? His? And then somebody said, "Oh yeah, he's American." And they're like, "Oh okay, that makes sense. Americans do weird things. Don't don't try to question them, <laughs> you know." The American who's trying not to have a car in Mexico said, "Yeah, okay,
0: all right." So to set this up, when Catherine and I went to Mexico City, when Catherine was basically—I mean, Catherine was hired, basically hired by the German school, which is a private school, as a teacher, freelance teacher. Uh, no, it's not not freelance. Anyways, she was hired uh, as a teacher uh, with no special relationship with the German government or anything. And uh, at the same time you and Nico came uh, from Toronto. And Nico was also hired basically as a German teacher. He, uh, he got the same contract as Catherine uh, did. I mean uh, Nico is uh, Colombian, but you did not live in Mexico before, so the German school could hire him basically as a yeah, as a, as a teacher with and because he speaks uh, perfect German, um, basically as a teacher with perfect German, just like any other teacher from Germany. Um, that was good for you because <laughs> those contracts pay much better than um, if you, for example, had lived in Mexico City uh, for a year prior and then he'd be uh, uh, hired then as a teacher. Yeah. Um, and now you're in Germany, but Nico is, never, Nico is also not a German teacher, so how did you End up in Germany because Nico still works as a teacher again at a private school. Tell us how that, how that went and did that work well and how was that difficult or because. Obviously, so Nico and uh, Catherine, yeah, there is a, a program and ex- exchange program, but, but there are these German schools all over the world, and they hire German teachers. So that's what happened in Mexico. But now uh, Nico works in Bremen at a school, um, and that is not a Mexican school in Germany.
2: Yeah, exactly. many people ask that question it's like is this is this uh, related to the German school in Mexico? And he's like, well, there are no German schools in Germany because it's Germany. There are only schools, yeah, private or or public. Yeah, in the case of Nico, he's he's lucky because he has he is a physics and math teachers, and those are rare. Uh, th- those are hard to find. Uh, he doesn't have the teacher training, so it's hard for him to enter to the public system. But for, um, for a private school is easy to just say, I want to hire a physicist and have him teach classes. They can do that. So technically that, that is how he, he was hired. Um, and, and yeah, the, the connection came from Mexico, from, um, the interchange or yeah, the, the program that they did, the Mexican students came to a school close to Bremen and the German kids went to to mexico to to study Spanish. Uh, so Nico knew these these teachers from this interchange program and one of them recommended uh, him here in in the private school where she has uh, her children not where he not where she works, but where her children are uh, enrolled. And and it worked out. She she just wrote an email and it's like, oh, I know a a teacher. He speaks perfect German. He's teaching in Mexico and he's a physics and math teacher. And they were interested immediately. Mm-hmm. So that's a, a big advantage for him. It's just those those subjects that he teaches.
1: Did we yet establish how Nico came to speak perfect German?
0: Um. Not on this podcast. I did uh, quite a quite long episode on my German podcast about Mexico, where we talked about all that. So all of you German listeners, uh, check out, I'll put it in the show uh, show notes, uh, but it's the uh, podcast named Tacos und Limetten, Tacos, Tacos and Lime. Uh, that has uh, three episodes and one of them is with uh, Nico and that's where we established that. Basically, he he uh, went to um, Regensburg, right? To study um, physics or
2: yeah, he, continue well, studying. He, he did go to, to German school his whole time whole oh, yeah, in, in Bogota. So that helped. Yeah. He's been speaking German since he was little and then he did his masters in in regensburg but but by that time he already spoke i think almost perfect in order to study here and and do a masters here so yeah it's all about the the german school connection
1: yeah. could could Angelica maybe you talk a little bit about the the nature of i guess private high schools in mexico because there's the uh and I'm forgetting the name of it. But there's the Spanish, as in from Spain, high school. I think it's La Madrid. I correct? Madrid. I get yeah. And then there's the American school. There's the German school. There's the French school. Could you just explain a little bit about the, the culture behind private high schools that are not Mexican and why uh, wealthy Mexican families send their kids there? And like, yeah, just go through a brief, brief overview of that whole scene in Mexico City and and why kids go to those schools, and yeah, who I goes think, to those schools.
2: I think that similarly with with the car going to a, to a school, and like Mexico is a lot about status, like how how you position yourself in a certain, um, yeah, like social status. And schools are the first uh, approach that a a kid or a person gets to improving or, or yeah, like belonging to a certain status. So almost anyone who can afford it will, will send their, their children to a private school. And there are many levels of, of private schools, but the better ones. Are the ones where you get that full immersion in another language, I guess, are the ones, yeah. People want that that second or third language um, for the for their children because they think they that it will open opportunities. So, um, right now, the German school, I think, is the number one uh, like hype. Uh, I don't know the the school is like very well ranked. Everyone wants to to send their children there. Uh, the the level is is high and it has that extra challenge of not only learning English like everyone else or most kids in in private schools in Mexico but learning a a third language that's even harder and will give you access to to study in Germany if if you if you go through through the whole high school there if you manage to to do Abitur which is yeah the the certificate you'll need to enter a university in in Germany. So, is it really yeah, I think that it, like people
0: is is the German school the most wanted private school
2: in this city? I I have the feeling it is. Um, I, I think it was even in the in the newspaper like. I don't know, the German school is, I don't know if the most wanted, but it was ranked like the best school in, in Mexico city. Um, it has, yeah, it has that, uh, that, yeah, that name that, uh, is, I mean, no one is probably doing like a deep study of which one is the yeah. best, but this, like the, the German school has like a very good uh, reputation.
0: Well, and that's he- also what it's about, right? The name.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's not. It's not even about being objectively the best. It's like does it like it sounds like it's like he's very, very good and like it just gives you a good
1: status. But but like anything else in Mexico City, it, what's the best is highly subjective, and there there are to my understanding, very well developed cultures around each high school. So, you know, the people that went to La Madrid, if even if you've and even if you went there twenty, thirty years after somebody else went there, it's an instant bond across generations, across lots of other things. And I, I suspect it's the same for people that went to the German school or the for the French school or whatnot that and then each of them will, in their own way, think that they are the best. And are the best culture for completely subjective reasons that you can't compare. Is it? Would you say that's? Could you talk about that a little bit, Angelica?
2: Yeah, totally. Uh, I think there. Yeah, there is a big culture around the the French uh, liceo, um, around the American school. But yeah, I think what makes what at least in the last five years in Mexico what called my attention because growing up I didn't really hear about the German school like being the best and not everyone wanting to go there but now I I I did with with children of of friends or friends of friends who have children and would ask us oh do you think Nico can can write a a recommendation letter (laughs) Uh, and these are Children that are maybe three or four years old, like because they they have to get a, a space or yeah a spot. They have to secure a spot as as early as possible because otherwise yeah. it's gonna be so crowded. Like it's impossible for for any everyone that wants to get in to get in. Um, I feel like and and people that don't have anything to do with Germany. I think when I was growing up, yeah, if your parents are. You had some German ancestry, something to do with Germany, then you would go there, or if you or the same with the French school or with the American school. But now there are people that are completely unrelated to Germany, and they want their their kids to go there. And I also question like how, yeah, how that will also bring some some huge challenges for the the children doing just doing their homework and. Having a question that the parents can't help with because they don't know anything about German, so um, it, that, that that's what I think changed from when I was growing up to now.
1: Do you think that was that's a universal change, or is that just a change in your particular perspective?
2: Mm, I wonder. I wonder, but but I did I did see that trend a lot. Uh, that trend of. Let's, let's get the, the children go to yeah, either the French, the American or the German school. But I mean, the American is probably, it makes more sense. But the American school is the most expensive in, in the whole, in whole Mexico City. So even if you are, have a, a good social status, it's, it's just too expensive. And the German one is not as expensive, but it's very, yeah, it's, it's, it's full and it's small. And also, like, rich people and people aspiring to go to the the German school, like, live around Santa Fe, Las Lomas, these, these, uh, these uh, high-scale neighborhoods. But the bigger German school, the one that could hold more students, is in the south, in Xochimilco, which is not a a particularly rich neighborhood. So there's a yeah there's a struggle there of where that's, the people. That's one leave. way of
1: putting it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not a particularly rich neighborhood.
0: <laughs> but they they at least that school has the uh, the nice campus.
1: I, I, I think saying that Sochi is not a particularly rich neighborhood is sort of is sort of like saying Berlin is a very centrally located hamlet. <laughs>
2: yeah I mean all, all the city is i mean is, there are gated communities in in the south in Xochimilco, and but they're like it's not a trend for for the rich people because yeah, they live they live uh, further what is that <laughs> north northeast of the city or something so and I, I think it's there's such a huge demand for for private schools. It's crazy. They're getting more expensive. They're getting harder to to get in. There are not not as many good options. I think it's I, I wouldn't want to go through that uh, now as a parent, like just having my my children have to choose a school in Mexico City is really it's really hard.
1: Another thing you mentioned that the American school was the most expensive and. My perception is that the French and the German schools and the Spanish schools are, to an extent, if not directly financially subsidized, at least enjoy a lot of the support from the respective cultural arms of their governments. Whereas I don't think the U.S. even has a cultural arm of its government <laughs> <laughs> to support such schools.
0: The German school um, definitely is heavily subsidized. Um, yeah. Not- I don't exactly know all the details, but the most part uh, is obviously by sending teachers, uh, by sending uh, tenured teachers from Germany to the, all those schools, and especially those teachers that can um, take the tests for Abitur. Those are uh, most wanted, and th- those there are a lot of positions for those uh, um, people, teachers. Yeah that's but yeah. but and that is there's a lot of this, money.
1: Yeah, I I I know people in Germany are familiar with the Goethe Institute and the uh the, the Spanish the um Cervantes Institute, the Royal Academy of Spanish, the Academy of French. I don't know what the equivalent is for Germany, but there but each of these countries have these very well established cultural institutions that are supported by the government whereas I don't think there is an equivalent it's called Hollywood. for Americans. Touché, point taken. But but that's – and that that is the thing that I think if you were – the most valid argument for American imperialism is cultural imperialism. But we don't – and then it, – it's right. It, it's just interesting that there is no – there's no equivalent. I, I mean you could find an equivalent of the Goethe-Institute for every country including the Netherlands. You – there is none for the united states i'm happy to be corrected wrong if anybody would like to leave a comment in uh, on our website severalways to live.com to correct me i would be i would appreciate that but that, that's one of the things that i always found fascinating and i didn't really appreciate or understand until i came to mexico city like how international and how how these governments spend a lot of time and energy supporting their their cultural they they're nationally designated cultural institutions
2: yeah that's that's interesting yeah how American culture is so yeah how how do you say it's just uh, it's just everywhere it's uh, especially yeah like with with film and music just just those two they're so strong and they're they're everywhere is way easier for well, as a as personal experience, I did go to a bilingual school all of my life, learning learning English. But it helped that all the bands that I listened to and all the shows that I watched on TV and and all the movies were in English. And yeah, you you ne- you never get that same experience learning German, like the, I started learning later in life. But it's just well, I don't know any German bands. I don't know if I watch a German movie it's too fast for me. It's just you're not exposed to it as much as as English and American culture so yeah they're they don't need that uh specific um, institution because yeah their their culture is is everywhere
0: going back to the to the private schools um so Nico was hired by this uh, private school in Bremen. Um, we talked about who goes to private schools in Mexico City. Who goes to private schools in Germany? You know this better than I do.
2: Well, Bremen is, is a particular uh, case because here the the government is more to the to the left left side or left wing government, and they believe that that the German system. Is also um, like better for for elites, or is creating these elites uh, when they make that that division between who can go to to gymnasium and make an abitur, and who cannot. They don't want that here. They want to make uh, a more equal opportunity experience. So there are not a lot of gymnasiums in Bremen. That's why there are. Just yeah.
1: briefly explain sort of the nature of like why some people why some because and and I'm saying this as an American Americans like well everybody goes to high school everybody gets a high school diploma why what is gymnasium and why do people uh, shall I briefly explain that I mean I I believe I know the distinction and to Florian this is obvious but I think to some people who might be listening to this it might not be as obvious. Let me try. Let, uh, I'll, I'll try. So in Germany, um,
0: after four years, sometimes for me it was after six years um, of elementary school, basically, uh, all the students are divided up into three forms of school. That is still the most common system, I think. And once you're divided, uh, switching between those schools uh, is much harder and those are really three levels of schools and, uh, the higher level, the gymnasium is considered the better school or at least, uh, uh, academically the much better school, uh, to go to. And, uh, so after this division, yeah, switching schools is going up is super hard. I think, uh, going down is always possible. And uh, if you go down long enough, you end up uh, at uh, the school that Catherine works at, and then you don't get any money, and you don't get any <laughs> any equipment, and you get the worst teachers. Uh, but I did not say that. Um, I, I actually don't. I don't know this idea originates from the 19th century. I think uh, one of the von, uh, Humboldt brothers came up with that, I think. Don't quote me on that. Um, and I, I think the idea, the early idea was to, yeah, separate the academics from those that will learn a trade uh, and then something in between. And, I mean, let's I don't know, say 30 years ago, 30 years ago, you did not need Abitur to, uh, learn your trade at a bank to go work at a bank. Today, you need Abitur to go work at a bank, uh, even for the entry level jobs. And today, everybody wants to have the Abitur because without an Abitur, you're nothing. Um, and okay. I don't, does this help, Nick? Does this make anything clearer? Um, so yeah, I, I that, understand that was, that was
1: the distinction that I was looking for. Yeah,
0: I, I definitely understand the idea of closing these gaps and of not having the, these divisions. I mean, there's there there are other concepts uh, like the uh, Gesamtschule. Um, I don't know the English word, but it works much more like what I experienced at the American high school that I went to. Uh, for a year where everybody uh, attends the same school but then for c- classes like math and english and uh, uh, physics there are different levels of classes but still everybody is uh, um yeah attends the same school and the distinction is not uh, between schools but between particular
1: classes and you can pick but i, I do in, not know German- much about that in the German educational system, people are channeled into what they're going to do for the rest of their lives much earlier on and yep. it's much harder to escape that yeah whereas in in the. US you can be you can be a, a not great high school student you can drop you can drop out of high school you can go get a GED which is just taking a class as an exam go to community college and then get a four-year degree you can be exactly in the same place as the people who you would have graduated with whereas that same scenario is not possible in germany to my understanding
2: yes and i think it, i think it's probably i mean the the big advantage in in germany is university is free so if the government is paying for it like why would you want everyone to go if not everyone is, is cut up to, to get a, a degree. So I think that's why they do it. It's like part of the social system. Like, well, not everyone. And we also need some uh, technical people that do great uh, trades at the, that work at the Mercedes uh, factory or no, you, you need great technical workers. So you won't pay. University. I don't know. Maybe it's arguably more expensive. Uh, you will pay technical school for for all all of that other section of um yeah of of, the, of society, and they will may uh, be great technical workers. And uh, and the other ones will go to university and they'll do something else. And they'll be lawyers and and doctors. But yeah, not everyone has to have a, a university degree, and I think in Mexico City is also yeah you need a, your university degree, but then you end up driving a taxi and
0: uh, well, that happens uh, here too.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it could happen everywhere, but it's not. I mean, in 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 theory, it's not a bad idea to to prepare people for, for different levels of intellectual activities i don't know I, I mean there's nothing wrong with being a great technical worker that can build a ship or a, a car no um,
1: well, and that is the inherent advantage of the german system is that you can be 18 years old and have a trade and have a skill and be able to get a job whereas kids who come straight out of high school they don't have an experience. they don't they don't know how to do anything
0: yeah, yeah, just, just apparently today, uh, you need an abitur for almost everything that you want to then learn. Uh, that sounds crazy. Uh, and also, I mean, Angelica, you said that, uh, you said that, uh, the, the system that we just described, um, is seen in Bremen as one that manifests classes. And that is, that is just, a, it's a fact. Uh, uh, students, students in, uh, in gymnasium, 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 gymnasium not generally, generally from richer families. They come from families with more academic background, and yeah, as we said, moving between these schools just upon your abilities to be a good student uh, is not is is very hard. So uh, so this this uh, uh, private school in Bremen. Is, is it financed by the uh, state of Bremen,
2: then? Uh, the the private school?
0: Yeah. Or,
2: no, you, I don't or, think it is.
0: Or who set it up? I mean, you said it was a special case.
2: Yeah, I think just because the Germans, I mean, they still like that, especially also... Germans with with money, they do want their their children to go to gymnasium, and there aren't so many in Bremen. There are a bit more private schools that maybe in other cities in in Germany, or at least if you go to those, it's not worth. It's not really for the super rich, or it's, uh, it's. I think it's more normal, or at least that's what I've heard. It's more normal in in Bremen. Because there aren't as many gymnasiums, there are some I, I think there are ah, more yeah. than now. I understand.
0: So the state mm-hmm. of Brim doesn't provide the schools that the rich people want.
2: Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So I, I, we do this gymnasium where Nico works. It is in a in a rich area, I am, and I think they the students pay something like. I don't know, 300 or 400 euro a month, which for Romania can can be expensive. But for example, in, in Mexico, that wouldn't get you anywhere a, a good private school. So, I mean... How much did you say? 500 a month? Um, I think it's like for, for between 300 or 400 a month.
0: That's much less than the German school.
2: yeah, the German school in Mexico City is more than a thousand a, uh, a month.
0: Okay, um, so this one question—it's not—it's not, uh, it's not uh, cultural, but it's more political. Uh, when when I came to Mexico City, I was lucky to be hired by the German school as well. So I was—I got a work permit actually. I got my own. Um, permission of residence and I could work. And then I quit after a year and then I had basically nothing. I had the tourist visa and then I got, Catherine, Catherine, I got married and I had got a permit to, for residence, but I was not allowed to work. So how does this, does it work the other way around? I mean, Nico is not even German. So he got uh, hired and you went with him. And you now work as well in Germany. How did that? How does it work with work permit and residence for you coming to Germany?
2: Well, for me it was it was easy because I I have a passport from Spain, uh-huh. so yeah, it I didn't have to go through the loops to to get a work permit. Um, I suppose you can get one if your partner has a job already and it, he brings. You with with him but I didn't have to to do that I, I could just enter as a European citizen and and get a job
0: okay but Nico Nico he had to I mean he did have to get all the visa stuff right
2: he he did and 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 he did uh, he had to do it through the pandemic like he he got. His interview here in, I don't know, March, early March or yeah, of 2020. Then he, they, they told him, yeah, yeah, we want to hire you. And he had to do all of that when the consulate was already closed in Mexico City. And at some point he didn't know if he, he's going to be able to, to come here because yeah, the embassy was only open for, Emergency situations, so yeah, people who's I don't know had to come for the birth of their child or or something happening in in, in the family, but not a person necessarily just getting a job right now and wanting a um, a job permit. So it was a, a long. There was like a long waiting list. And the embassy was closed. And um,
0: did that derail your you coming here? Did that? Or, uh, fortunately, I mean, you, you did come we, here last year already, right?
2: Twenty. We did or, come in twenty twenty. Oh, in twenty <laughs> twenty. Okay. So it was very very lucky uh, because we were saying people that. Take their, their children to the, to the German school. Well, there are some people that work in the embassy or they work in the <laughs> German government. And Nico did have uh, some, some students that have a, a parent working in, in the embassy. So he waited till, till the Abitur was over, till he had handed um, the grades and everything so that there was no conflict of interest. Okay. And after that, he asked them, Hey, is it cool if I, if I Ask your dad for uh, for for some help. I I got a job in in Germany and I can't get a, uh, an appointment in the embassy. And yeah, the the student gave gave Nico the parents' number and he was super nice and told Nico, yeah yeah, come come tomorrow or something like that. So he yeah he got the that that connection there thanks to a student. So I was very lucky and that. That made everything work in time for, for him to come and start in August 2020.
0: Nick, you want to say something?
1: Oh, I want no. to say a lot. Oh, I want to say a lot of things. Yeah. I don't want to just, I want to jump Go. <laughs> I I do want to talk about this, and I've talked about this extensively on this podcast. There's the one story that you already know I'm probably thinking about in the back of my brain about influences and, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, But maybe maybe, maybe it'd be interesting to hear Angelica's point of view on how it's different, perhaps, between the, the, the network of influences and people using their networks to achieve a task outside of the normal operation of things um, so I think and then we'll, we'll we'll just contrast these two things so Germany everything is, I mean the the classic tripe or trope tribe not, I'm talking about tribe, what am I talking, trope sorry it's, it's early morning I totally to have a the trope about German order and how about the process and the way of doing things is the same, and it's ordered, and it's the same for everybody. And you can't circumvent the system, and it's it works. Just it it works, and everybody is the same. Whereas opposed to Mexico City, there is no order in things. the 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 A very simple trámite is, and you can see this on the taxi cabs in Mexico City that they don't have license plates; they just say in "trámite" for years. Because a simple thing, like that's the, to give you a, a quick example, like that putting a house in your spouse's name in the United States takes five minutes. You go to the city office, whatever it is, you sign a piece of paper, There, other person signs a piece of paper, boom, done. That same thing in Mexico City, in Mexico, takes years and costs tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of pesos so if you could just kind of speak to how influence works in mexico as opposed to how you've seen influence more mature, for example, is as the counterbalance to that
2: yeah i i had a uh an accident happened to me in, in mexico where i was i was driving the 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 light turned red. The car behind me hit uh, hit me, and I hit the car in front. So it was all the the fault of, of the car behind. Just to put an example of insurance. So uh, the, the insurance companies of the three cars came to the to the incident, and the yeah the, the person guilty. So the the guy that hit us hit me, and then the other guy. Um, his insurance guy tells him, oh, I'm sorry, but your insurance is uh, is expired. You can't... I'm, I'm out of here yet. Sorry. So then you have to call the police. And then police is involved, and then um, this guy has to... The, the, the guy that caused the accident has to go. We all have to go to, to the police station. That's the last thing you want in... in- so... I called my, my stepmother and like, well, my parents and I'm I'm here. I I got in an accident. Like everything's fine. It was a, it was a light thing. It was not not a, like a life or death thing, but we all had to go to the police station. And then, yeah, what happens next to solve something like that has only to do with who you know and how, how to get out of of the situation. So the, the the guy who caused the accident called his lawyer friend. So the lawyer friend came to the police station. I called my my stepmother, and she was just like supporting. Um, and the 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 guy in front of us, the the guy that I hit, was a taxi driver. Um, he was with his insurance guy. But what? So the insurance guys didn't want to, like, I wouldn't have gotten paid because it's like, no, the guy, the guilty guy has to go to prison because he's guilty and he doesn't have to pay. And then we won't pay because he, if he had escaped the, 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 the crash, we would pay you, but he's guilty. He has to go to yeah, prison and, and then pay you. But the insurance won't pay because he is there. He's guilty and he doesn't have insurance. Um, so I, me and, and and my stepmother called my my dad. i like, well, who who do you know in the insurance company? And he did knew someone. So then my my dad called his friend in the insurance company, and then the insurance company said, oh, okay, we'll we'll just go half and half. Like they they made a deal, but. Without knowing anyone in the insurance company, there was no deal. It was just, this guy has to go to prison, and then when he goes out, he'll pay you. So even insurance that is supposed to get you out of a a trouble like that, where someone hit you and you didn't do anything, you just got hit driving your car. You have to know someone, and you to get out of that. That was a process that took ten hours, like waiting for the police, getting the the toll, yeah, the car's toll towed to uh, to the police station, and uh, going through the process of the doctor has to see you, and it's just a nightmare. It's just a nightmare. Nothing works as it should work. So, uh, or. Either you know someone or you pay someone. But if you pay someone, you need, sometimes you need quite a lot of cash to get out of something like that. And it's just not, uh, yeah, not the way things were supposed to, to be. In Germany, it's all the contrary. Everything is clear. no I think if you get in an accident and there are insurance companies involved, then there would be no question that they would cover for for the accident if if you didn't you didn't have any fault in it like they would they would support you and help like that's what I would expect of paying someone to. For exactly that, no? Yep. For the case that you get in an accident and they can they can cover you. So those are the things, the kind of things that that happen in Mexico City. And once you go to the police station, everything starts getting messy.
1: <laughs> and, and it's not even actually the police station. We just say that. Of yeah,
2: the Ministerio Público, which I don't even know what <laughs>
1: that
2: the, the the or? Yeah, El so. yeah, there are there are some the, some cells there. Like the I did see some, for example, the guys who that would go into those cells there, where the the woman selling the flowers in in. In the traffic light, no, there, there was a family of of clowns. They go to to those cells for uh, maybe they take them for some hours because also the the police want these people that work in the street illegally to pay them. No, they, there are a lot of people in the streets asking for for money that and they're dressed as clowns or they're selling flowers, and. They're not supposed to do that, but if they pay the police, they can do that. So the people that I saw in this police station or Ministerio Público were those kinds of of people. People that were locked in maybe for a couple of hours, maybe because not they didn't pay the the quote or yeah that they were supposed to pay the the police in that block for for them to to do their <laughs> their act there in the street. So. It's hard, and this and this was a very simple accident, you know, where someone hit me, and hit the per- person in front, and the, the guilty person didn't have insurance. So it's, it's quite simple, so I can't imagine when when something complicated happens in Mexico City, and there are like yeah like a crime or a, a murder or something different to deal with.
1: Let's transition to living in Germany. Nobody wants to hear my story about the getting handed a cell phone with the disaster that, that at the building collapse because I've told it a bunch of times on this podcast.
0: All right. Um, All right. So now um, I even forgot so how long you've I been in Germany because we haven't visited you yet, visited. which is a shame. At least we've seen each other once, at least. And we have to... The next party of ex-German teachers (laughs) from Mexico, we were going to meet each other. Uh, Anyway, so you've been living here almost two years. That's long enough to to, um, get over the first very happy phase of everything is great. So how do you now feel? How does it feel to live in Germany? Uh, Very much compared to what we talked about in Mexico City.
2: Um how do you feel i'm i'm happy i i work remotely i am a graphic designer i work uh, in digital marketing so everything I do can be done remotely so i i live very comfort- comfortably because i i have a lot of time in the morning because I don't commute anywhere <laughs> just to just to the studio where in no, in the other side of the house, and I mean, also that that has to do with with the culture, the work culture after the pandemic. No, everyone started working remotely, and so that that gave you great quality of life and more more time because you are not commuting, and I can prepare a quick meal here, or it's more flexible. If I get some time, I can I can go out and I do some. I, some shopping at the supermarket at at the middle of the day, you know, things that you wouldn't do in a, if you go to an office. So that has to do maybe more with the with the work style after the pandemic, quote uh, unquote. After also, the
0: pandemic, but yeah, I keep
2: going. yeah, or, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I was already doing that in Mexico uh, because. Pandemic, working from home, and having the, this flexibility, so that didn't change my life. Didn't change a lot in that sense because working from home, being a graphic designer, I, I'm even working from the same for the same um company. Uh, so yeah, that's that's been and working in English, that's been very similar to what I have been doing in Mexico, uh, in the sense of living in. In the city, going outside, it's, it's just very nice to, to be here because everything is nature. <laughs> so we are not in, in downtown Bremen. We're in the outskirts. So we go out a lot. We take our bikes and, and ride through the fields and you see. There are lots of farms and uh, cows and, and horses. And I was expecting uh, country, that country life, um, lots of different animals, the, the air is quality is amazing. So, yeah, it's very it's very relaxed. It's very good quality of life. If you're past that uh, social state uh, where you need to go out and and party and be spontaneous and say like like we were in Mexico on a Friday. It's like oh let's let's call some friends and see who's up for for some mezcales and 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 some some beers or some tacos. No, you can't do that here. That that is, like there's no uh, spontaneous plans. <laughs> it's that's impossible but Germany, is that
0: because of where you live or because of the germans
2: I think both I think both I have been with with a group of germans where they get their calendar <laughs> and they go like oh we'll uh, yeah in may 30 July, something, something. Yeah, they're planning so so far ahead. It's crazy. I, I was not used to, to that. As a Mexican, it's all next Friday or tomorrow.
1: What are you doing later
2: today? No, well, more spontaneous. That, that doesn't happen anymore. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or just showing up at somebody's house. That's a totally foreign thing to me, that somebody would just, you know, I'd get a call on my cell phone and be like, Oh, what's this like? And then I would hear them, like, "What? yeah, I'm outside your house. I was in the neighborhood. I just thought, you know, like, hey, stop by. Totally unannounced, totally unplanned. And like, well, come on up. I mean, I'm not doing anything. Let's, I'll come down. Let's go get some. That would never. No. Outside of maybe the con, outside of maybe a festival or a party or something like that where you run into somebody at, but you're both at the festival. You're both doing the festival. Like, the festival has been on your calendar for. You know, you could, I you could probably ask any German nerd. You know, how many days is it until the next? Well, I don't know if they actually announced that there's going to be one, but uh, when the next Congress or the next thing is. That's that's. I think that's one of the beautiful things about. Uh, that was one of the beautiful things about Mexico City and Mexican culture is that, in a lot of ways, you don't have to play like in New York City to see friends, close friends. You have to make an appointment, and sometimes you can get a doctor's appointment sooner than you know finding a common time with your other friends in in Germany. That's what I that, I, I do miss that about. Although I don't really see any, I don't see anybody anymore. I I have to leave this. I have to leave the state to be social almost.
2: Yeah, yeah. Look, social life is we're to, to be Sorry,
0: uh, Angelica. It's very bad. Uh, We should do something about that.
2: Yeah. Where did I? Where did I? How about the the calendar thing? That.
0: So yeah, you need it. Yeah, yes, you need a calendar. Um. (laughs) <laughs> but but
2: has it has it always been like that even when you were younger or is it also like we were just entering yeah. that age where people are busy and with they have i
0: problems. think when you were younger even at university you don't plan ahead as much you you plan maybe your week we we did yes when, when we, we
1: went to university <laughs> thanks Nick.
0: Yes. Now, uh, I, or uh, even at school, no, I did not plan f- for weeks. Maybe I planned the current week uh, and probably even at university. Um, I planned maybe uh, some trips that I wanted to take months ahead. But other than that, uh, it was always the current week. And now it's – I think, Catherine, I, we're still – yeah, we do have weekend plans, but yeah. that's always. This year, it's all uh, birthdays, and, uh, weddings, because everybody has to celebrate what they couldn't uh, celebrate in the past two years. Um, and then, but for example, I play in this one band. Uh, you saw us, Angelika, uh, in Heidelberg, and we are five people, and or four people. Five people: one, two, three, four, six. We are six, and four of them have children. Four of them, and then you really have to, and then and everybody works, and they have to coordinate with their family, and so we have to plan weeks ahead to find uh, rehearsal days, and to see if we can play gigs or not, uh, and that is that is not yeah, we can't spontaneously do anything um so yeah i think it's yeah so yeah i think it's and but but i but did not i mean when i was in mexico city uh, i remember one time i wanted to meet my friend uh, yashua and we wanted i think you wanted wanted to go to a studio to record something and uh at least 3 or 4 days uh before the day in question uh we talked and then i said okay that friday afternoon i'll come down to suchimilko or saturday morning i don't know uh and i did <laughs> he did not know about this anymore because i i had talked to him obviously we said okay saturday at noon we meet there i was there and obviously it it's now I know that uh, that will never work uh, in Mexico City because he didn't know anymore, and he was uh, um, he had a huge hangover from the party the night before. Um,
2: yeah, I feel like in Mexico City you have to... You can say, okay, in two weeks it's my birthday, I'm going to do something on Saturday, and then the week off you have to remind people. It's like, hey, remember, who's coming on Saturday? Can I get a number... Yeah, like a final number, you have to remind constantly, even maybe the same day, because people say yes to many things at, at the same day, because people don't say no. Even if they're invited to other things, no, they'll say yes to the three or... And
0: I'm I'm not saying that's, that's that that's bad, it's just that I had to learn that the hard way.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and the other thing is people will try to go to all three things. So they're going to show, like, you say, oh, okay, the party starts at eight at my house. So they'll show up at six <laughs> thinking like, oh, I got another thing at eight. You know, and they're like, I'm not even ready yet. Or they'll show up at three o'clock in the morning and be like, we already went to bed. <laughs> but, oh, I thought, you know, you party. like just, like. just
2: Yes. Yeah. That's a very different uh, culture in that sense of how, yeah, how you decide to meet with people. And- Completely different. Can
1: can I can I switch the topic a little bit? I I think, and I'm springing this on you. I think we need a draft, and we need a draft of favorite foods from the country.
0: And you have a meeting in half an hour, right? So we have to do a quick draft.
1: Do I That's have do That's what you told me. Now? Oh, actually, no. My meeting was right now, but it's canceled. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> they canceled it. It's happening right now. Um, fa- favorite foods from the country we are not from. Okay. You get to pick the country you're not from, and then, and then we just do it just like a straight face-off. So I think uh, – let, let's just let's just start. I actually, Florian, you might want to explain the whole concept of a draft. I don't know if Angelica. Oops, there
0: was my
1: microphone. I'm oh, Sorry. Yeah. You, you cut up a, a little bit.
2: I I couldn't hear you so clearly.
1: Yeah, because he lost his microphone. I I have my Zoom carefully perched on this like hotel room desk, and even I haven't lost it yet. I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay.
0: I left my microphone in our band room, and I haven't been in the band room in the last two weeks because of Easter vacation. And during Easter vacation, no band can uh, rehearse because all the um, fathers and mothers are uh, yeah occupied with their children and on vacation. They can go on vacation.
1: I left my kid at home, and I'm still getting grief from it. <laughs>
0: All right. Okay.
1: Angelica, it's something.
0: Yeah. The draft. Uh, Well, you lived in Toronto. Maybe you uh, um, saw some of that there. It's an idea from the American, all the American and Canadian uh, uh, sports teams. They, they draft players. They, they basically pick from either from high school or from the colleges the players they want to sign and in the draft everybody goes goes uh, all the way around and then the first team starts again um and they pick uh people there they pick the players they want to sign and uh it goes over many rounds and um that's how they yeah that's how they do that that that's where where it comes from and now what we do is something that I picked up at, a, at an, in another podcast um, where they draft silly things uh, actually uh, like uh they draft furniture they don't even talk about what uh, what what's the what is uh, the thing that what what makes a furniture furniture good or or not they just draft furniture and then talk about why they picked that one and we we are a little bit more serious, I don't know why, but so now um and but Nick, now, if we pick let's say I pick Mexican food and Angelica picks German food and you pick Canadian food, um that's not really a draft, right?
1: I'll allow it <laughs> All <right. laughs> Let's let the listeners decide. Because I know what I, I know what's number one on. Mars. So,
0: so, which country do you p- want to pick from, Nick?
1: I'm going to pick okay. Mexico because that that's e- it's easiest for me.
0: Angelica has to pick German, Germany.
1: Sure. Yeah. How about that? How about you decide? How about we make you the judge?
0: What? Me? Oh, yeah, yeah, there, yeah, you, you we just can say, do that. Okay, but, yeah, yeah, that's, that's good because I can't right. th- uh, think of something. I would have had, I would have had to pick uh, American food, I think, to make this all work, right? Yeah. But there's – Yeah,
1: this, this way I'm yeah, just making I'll the be, judge. I'll be show the off. judge. Or we, or we can reverse. I can be the judge and you can oh, pick no, Mexican
0: That's That's fine. That's fine. Okay, you pick. Okay, okay.
1: Right. each of you gets – So Angelica, as the guest, gets to yeah. go you first.
0: Three or five? Five picks? Do you know five dishes and I don't even know five German dishes let's make it let's let's make it three. you have each of you yeah. have has
1: three and and we can broaden it we can say European
0: no I want German okay fine and Angelique you have the first pick of German dishes. What's your favorite German dish?
2: Do you have to pick the other two now?
0: No. Oh, sorry. Did you already pick the first one?
2: Yes. Yeah, Sch- ah,
0: okay. We didn't hear that. Sorry. Schnitzel.
1: Okay. Yeah. Schnitzel. Okay.
0: Do you want to comment,
1: Nick? Biria from the guy. Biria in La Roma, from the guy, who is, I don't forget the exact street corner, but he's not terribly far away from Plaza de, now I forget the name of the Plaza, de but he's this, the, the beautiful thing about this is, that two years after I came back to Mexico, I hadn't been here, he called me out, he said, hey, friend of friend of, uh, Lalo's, how have you been? I haven't seen you in a while. I'm like, how do you remember? But honestly, his Biria is the most amazing birria he has the tacos that go along with it and the consomme he has all of all of the amazing things and it's just one guy in a little stand not more than three cubic meters i mean on three meters squared and it's and it's just the most amazing it's every single time and he has just the most incredible pickled onions and he can make it spicier if you want it spicier. He can, he can just go through his little thing of soup and like pull out the meat and then grill it real quick. Throw it on a taco that is freshly grilled. The, the that guy I forget. I will put it in the show notes. Oh, nice. But the birria in La Roma, and I. That's that's the other thing. I think as, as like picking Mexican <laughs> food, it's just the, the, the advantage is just. Yeah. I'll I'll let you give I'll let you give her the schnitzel just just for this one. Just 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 yeah, it's so much harder to come up with more.
2: It's hard to compete with with that Yeah, with that kind of Mexican food. It's just so yeah, so homemade and special and I mean, I I haven't been eating out that much in in Germany also yeah. because of yeah. the pandemic and the place where we live. Is I feel like any beer garden or restaurant you go, there's there's good good uh, Schnitzel. I mean, it's like like a go to. Yeah. You can't go wrong. I, I like that about about it. But what I I think what I enjoy the most, it's not a dish, but it's just bread. Just uh, German bread is unbelievable. You,
1: oh, okay? That made it a close call. <laughs> that made it a
0: <laughs> okay. Right, I have to go back to next pick. Can you remind me of what birria is?
1: It's uh, it's a special. I mean, I I'm underselling it. I'm going to ask Angelica to explain it because I can't explain.
2: It. I think it's goat goat meat uh, that has been. cooking for a long long time and maybe like a slow cook Uh, so it's so tender but it is in because that could also be barbacoa but in the case of birria it is in a in a very spicy liquid sauce that is bright red it's traditionally from tajara So i'm also an expert Birria, but yeah like what i imagine is like a broth a very spicy red bright broth with a piece of, of goat meat very tender very very soft and, and juicy and it's, it's good like for hangovers mm, it's, uh, it's, it's it's fatty it's spicy it's very you, you can add some lemon it's- you can make a taco
1: it's it's very creamy but it's not cream based it's like a ramen that way it's like a very very good ramen where there's a lot of fat and oils and things like that that convey a lot of different flavors in the in the broth itself so it has that very smooth kind of uh it, but but it's not not creamy like cream but creamy like umami it's very umami
0: and now I don't know why I never had that. I've had Barbacoa and I love it. No, I've taken you there. I remember taking you there. No, 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 no we've, there. Nev- yeah. we've we haven't been there. No no. There's 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 a few things uh that Nick and I have to do when we are in Mexico City the next time. This will not happen um very soon. Anyways, um at least but that's for the next recording. We will see each other rather soon and that is amazing so i'm gonna see nick earlier than i'm gonna see angelica um okay angelica's second pick uh, is german bread i have to agree uh when we were in mexico city we the only place where the, we bought bread from was this uh belgium chain what's it called on uh, on amsterdam
2: yeah, pan, pan-, pan- con oh, the, yeah. the pan- So that
0: was we, there was they had two uh, kinds of bread that we liked, and that's what we bought. But everything else, um, that, maybe that's why I came to like tortillas. Uh, I mean, it took me two years to really enjoy tortillas. They're certainly much better than the bread that is served in restaurants. Do you have, uh, in Bremen, do you have uh, real schwarzbrot? Black bread? I,
2: I, I don't think it's the most common. I mean, you can come, but I don't think it's like the the number one thing in, in Bremen, although I'm also not, not sure. I mean, I... I usually get the the bread there is all kinds uh, I like the ones with the with the curvy kernel uh, the pumpkin seed um yeah I don't I don't know what is typically from Bremen in, in terms of bread I would have to to look into that uh,
0: Schwarzbrot is just one of the things that I miss from northern Germany one of the few things.
1: Shots fire. Shots fire. Right.
0: right, second picnic.
1: Right, second picnic. 2 AM Lacos Fuzz from Ataquero that has his own special kind of magical adobo. that and he, he's there like the, the weird thing about this is that he spends half of his time actually preparing the next day's al pastor, like very carefully and gingerly making sure that every thin slice on the trompo is evenly seasoned. And he's making his while, – while you're getting the very last of the previous day's trompo that has three pineapples <laughs> worth of juice – that it's been just kind of stewing in under low heat in the center of it so it's so it's, it's not it it it's very tender very pineapple juicy very adobey very not overcooked as the outsides of the trompo can get it's the inner part of it at 2 a.m. with the fresh tortillas like almost underdone Fresh tortillas that are just that the tortilleria is just dropping off for the next day, gently <laughs> hand <sighs> baked on a flat top, as you can do in Mexico City, with the brand new pineapple freshly sliced off the sides. Where in the in the space of four seconds, he can just lob a pineapple on top of the trompo, whack all of the skin of the pineapple off of it and fling the parts of the – fling the skin of the pineapple somewhere it, immediately into like the compost or whatever and then take slices that what? go just inside just enough of the pineapple. So you get the juiciest little bit but not too juicy thrown on the taco with an incredible speed. With a Mexican Coke. Wow. <sighs> and you have the and you and just around this one puesto, you have you you have people. And I I was actually working at the time. I was working in a laundry. You have you have people who are on their third shift. People who are on their lunch break. You have drunken businessmen who are waiting to or just like waiting for an Uber or something like that. You have uh other random workers, people who are having insomnia and who just wanted a snack to go back to sleep. Just this incredible slice of humanity along with you. That that is uh that is just amazing. That, that I think that's that that al pastor experience that not just the not just the food not just the al pastor is amazing and the talk and the tortillas are amazing and the taquero is amazing but just being able to enjoy that around other people and just hear and experience that slice of life as a break from a very long hard shift washing clothes did i oversell that one
2: (laughs) no that is amazing i mean
0: don't make Angelica want to leave.
2: Yeah, uh, the the only thing that that is comparable in in Germany would be probably dona kebab. Cuz it's also like a, a late night food. It has this meat in a revolving thing. It has the yeah, it has some of the same elements. And I think, yeah, taco al pastor comes from, from that, yeah, like Middle Eastern meat thing <laughs> wrapped in a, you know, flatbread. So yeah, like a, a good kebab can can come a bit closer, can remind you of, of that experience of, of the taco al pastor in, in Mexico. Yeah, there are some good good a kebab here we haven't we we have to to be more diligent in finding mm. the best we i think we've only been in bremen to to one it's pretty good uh, all the students go there it's close to the university uh, it's it's super cheap it's nice and warm and probably yeah would be Something similar to to that experience that you're narrating, but not as not as delicious as a taco pastor, because that's hard that's hard to to beat. The <laughs> found... Yeah. the pineapple, mm-hmm. mm. the cilantro, yeah, <laughs> those those together are just just a work of
1: art, especially in the hands of an artist.
0: So, Angelica, are you picking uh, Döner kebab as your third choice?
2: Yeah yeah I think that's a good choice
0: we we We've been living in Mannheim for almost four years, and uh i I still don't know if there's a good during here probably is, but it also changes a uh, new place opened up a year ago and then they had a really good ones for half a year and then I think they made their mark and they got their clients and now it's not as good anymore. So you have to always um, keep an eye open for new places. At least that's what it's here. All right. Are we through? Nick, do you have another story of late night food?
1: I I do, but I I don't think... I'm actually struggling to think of another German dish that... You got the schnitz. I mean, the only thing that I think we're missing is maybe... Um,
0: Fischbrötchen. What's the... Fishbrötchen. Huh? Fish in uh, rolls.
1: Oh, or... Um, Travis is going to hate me when I forget this. Uh, what's the deer... The, the deer soup, or like deer meat soup. Um,
2: goulash? Green goulash? Yes,
1: Here's okay. It's not. When it's yes, good,
0: certainly yes. It's not.
1: When it's good, it's very good. When it's not good, it's really not very good. Okay. I
2: haven't tried it, but there, here in the in the fields in front of the house, there are a lot of of deer, and there are there is a hunting uh, club, and in the restaurant. Uh, also here in the, close to to my house, they do serve that rind goulash, certified from the hunters of uh, of uh, these fields. Uh, I just uh, when I saw that on the menu, I thought it was it was so funny because you go on a bike ride mm-hmm. and you see all these deer jumping around and with their yeah with their family of deer <laughs> and. Uh, I just thought it's just so close. No, you don't get that in Mexico City. That you see the animal that you can later go and and enjoy in a in a goulash. I, I haven't tried it, but it should be should be good. It should be very fresh. Like yeah, they, they also eat goose. They also they hunt them or yeah from from the fields here. So. Yeah, the, the game, no, eating, eating game, eating what, what hunters uh, shoot. That's totally new for me, and I, I have to try it one day. It's just, it's kind of, uh, it's impressive. I, I, I want to be as removed uh, from the animal as possible. I don't want to think about their face or their activities. No, I don't want to think that I saw it. It's just, uh, I guess. Uh, we're from that culture. Is meat and an animal are different things, no? and that the fact that they they serve those deer that you see there—it's just—it's it's <laughs> <too> close. <laughs> no, it makes you makes you aware of of the animal. I mean, I know it's yeah, it sounds it sounds funny, but yeah, for me it's weird <laughs> to.
1: All right. Any final thoughts? For me, Michaelika. Anybody?
2: No, I think in general, food here in the in the supermarket, food is super good. The the cheese, milk, all the dairy products are 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 cheap and good. And like the quality of, of food in in a German supermarket is great. Like I've I've been happy. Buying buying food and cooking at home, I'm and it's not super expensive, so that that I like a lot about Germany.
0: I'm a little bit of fr- afraid of uh, when I go to New York, and so I'm, I'm going to spend three and a half weeks in in uh, the US and in Canada, and we'll talk about that at another time, but. Um, I'm afraid of the prices for food, to be honest.
2: Yeah, yeah, Canada is very is is very expensive for for food, and the US they are for sure uh, more expensive than yeah. than Germany. Germany is especially affordable, I, I I find.
0: You don't agree, Nick?
1: I think food is cheaper. I, I think you can get a lot of food in the United States for very little money. Whether the quality of it is debatable, whereas I think in Germany it's very hard to get low quality food. Yeah. But the the like the the what what you get for what you pay in Germany, I think, is much greater. Depending, I mean, sometimes there's incredibly cheap, amazingly good things in the U.S., but on the whole. The U.S. is more of a junk food culture than uh, junk. Large portions of fatty, salty food, as opposed to in Germany, you've got smaller portions of higher quality food that Germans put way too much salt on. But that's (laughs) all right. We we
0: can lots there's lots more to talk about um i found this very very interesting i mean we touched a few different topics and maybe we can talk about more of this at some other time but we've already we've been recording for almost two hours now which is a very long time but it's been a lot of fun and it's been a lot of fun seeing you too
1: um so yeah very nice to meet you angelica yeah nice
2: to meet you too and Nice to talk about delicious food <laughs>
1: oh, and on a happy yeah. note. Yeah. So
0: um, thank you very thank you very very much, Angelica. and I have to, my screen always turns off. Okay, um, and thank you, Nick. And you now don't have any meetings, which is good, I guess. you the-
1: Oh no! I've got tons of meetings. I, I just have I have tons of meetings coming up. They just all got pushed good. back
0: uh yeah we have to um soon talk about no you booked my everything's set up you booked my train ride uh which is great um yes you did so yeah yes you did and we're gonna see each other in may but we're gonna talk before that um and i really hope that one of our friends Adrika, will have another party sometime soon so we can see each other um
2: yeah
1: all right Get it on the calendar now.
0: Yeah. (laughs) We had everything planned and then there was, it'll happen. It'll happen. All right. Yeah. Thank you very much. And well, talk to you soon.
2: Yeah. Talk to you soon. See you. See you. Bye.